chapter 11, verse 8. Hebrews 11 and verse 8, it says, It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called to him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, his child and grandchild, and, and who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking toward, forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. That's just such a power-packed statement. Anybody here just simply, do you just believe God will keep his promise? And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. A nation with so many people, like stars in the sky and sands on the seashore. There's no way to count them. This morning I want to preach on... This topic, from this one man came many. The title is From One to Many. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much. God, bless the offering we just took. Lord, let it go and, and further your kingdom where we hear more church stories just like this one. God, where lives are touched and changed and impacted forever. Lord Jesus, but I pray anoint me and speak through me in the next few moments as I deliver this word that you laid on my heart. God, let our hearts and minds be open to receive it. In the name of the Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When Abraham was called by God in the Old Testament, he left. He didn't know where he was going. He left his homeland, didn't know where he was going. But what he did know, he had an inheritance, an inheritance that was waiting on him. How did he know? That because God told him. And so in his eyes, he was just like, I'm simply placing my faith in God. God told me to do this. I'm responding, and God's going to do what he said he would do. And so things like this are what made Abraham known as father of the faithful. You know, we can say I'm a person of faith, but faith will reflect in our actions. It will, it will, it will show, and I, I carry myself as a person of faith. That's what our goal is. And so he didn't, he didn't view it as a risk. He looked at it like I'm, I'm leaving what God told me to leave and going toward what God told me to go toward. And so he obtained things that God had for him. And verse 12 says, from one came many. And that is still God's plan in the New Testament church today. From one, there should come many. You know, God had a plan for relationship. Way back in the book of Genesis, chapter 2, verse 18, it says, The Lord said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Thank you, Jesus, that he did that. And jump down a little further, verse 24, it says, This explains why a man leaves his father and mother, is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. So if anybody wants to get married, we could just knock that out right here. I mean, we got the passages going. This is where humanity begins. Before we have a global population of six billion people, it starts with one man who is given one woman, and the two people become one flesh. And from one flesh came many. 
approximately 20 generations pass from the first Adam to the patriarch Abraham. And once again, there's a discussion between God and man where a promise of future is given. And, and once that theme, we see it again from one to many. Genesis 15, 5, the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up in the sky and count the stars if, the stars if you can. He says, your descendants will, will be like that. And, and Abram believed the Lord and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. And that's where we have really a, a birth of something we would call justification by faith. That faith is something that, that, gave, that unlocked future potential. And God basically says to Abram, he says, I know where you are now. I know the concerns you have about your future. He's this rich man and things are growing and he has this vision of what God could do with his life. But he's got no kids. And in that day, a patriarch needed to have a male descendant, somebody he could, he could, put, he could bless and, and give the birthright to. And he doesn't have that. So he starts saying, well, hey, I'm childless. Uh, is, it, is it Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household? And, and he's wondering what's going on. And God says, just reminding him, I'm going to bless you, Abram. I'm going to make your name great. And even though it's just you and your wife right now, guess what? It was once just Adam and Eve also. I have a theme, he says to Abraham. Really, I, I'm, I'm, I'm good at making one many. Why do we find this so difficult to believe at times? That God can look at one person, one marriage, one individual, one ministry and say, I can do something great with one. Why do we look at ourselves and we feel that we, we hear a message and we're like, "Whoa, I'm going to go to an altar. But then we leave and we're like, yeah, but I'm just one person. I mean, what can God do with one? That's a great question. Dive into the word and watch from the Old Testament to the New Testament what God can do with one person, one marriage, one ministry, he can literally change. Uh, one person can't make that much of a difference. Okay, let's just remove Paul from the equation. One person doesn't make it. Let's just remove Abraham from the equation. One person doesn't really. Yeah, let's just take King David. Let's, let's just take him out. Let's just remove John the Revelator. Let's remove Jesus. Don't tell me one person cannot make a difference. Where you sit right now, you hold the key to unlock things in your community that only you can unlock. God really does want to bless his people. You look at what he says when his people are getting ready to enter Babylonian bondage. They've turned away from him. They're not even totally sold out living for him. In Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. This is not at a, this is not at a power packed church service. This is not spoken at a revival where an evangelist comes in and the church is just having great, great growth. This is spoken when God's people are living like heathens. They're not even serving him. They're in exile. He says, I have plans for you guys. I have plans that are good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. There it is again. A hope in those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity, restore your fortunes. I'll gather you out of the nations where I sent you and will bring you home again to your own land. 
they're living in exile. He says, don't, don't. Hey, I made a promise to Abram that you read over and over again how many times the Bible says, for my servant David's sake. Search that phrase sometimes. It's incredible. One man, the nation was born. One man, the promises were kept. One person here today can make a difference in a school, on a workplace, in a community. And he says, he says, I'm going to gather you. And here they are in the midst of their failures, in the midst of letting God down, worshiping idols, doing crazy things. God does not say like we anticipate God to say, like some of us would say, you made the bed. Now you go sleep in it. I mean, if we were God, how many times in the Bible would we have said that statement? If we were God, how many times would we say that statement to ourselves? Oh God, I need your grace today. I need your anointing today. Oh God, I know I don't deserve it at all. There's nothing that we go through seasons, seasons where we're like, I've been doing pretty well. I've been praying, I've been, man, I've been reading the word and fast. I'm walking on cloud nine. I'm walking in the in the spirit. And then there's other times where we know, man, I messed up. I've messed up. And God certainly demands obedience. But we think sometimes God is this God that's like, mess up, mess up. Man, I mean, like, he doesn't say, make your bed and you sleep. And he looks at his people in exile, living like heathens, going, I know the plans that I have for you. And if you will turn to me, I'll receive you. If you will pray, I will listen. Because I have a plan, and I know that part of it was my will to send you here. But I want to gather you again and do the things that, just like I promised Abraham, just like I said to David, I want to gather you again. And I want to make you, bring you back to a, to a nation. The problem is, see, sometimes we think, well, God doesn't really want to bless me. A blessing is not always a new car, a bigger house, a promotion, a new relationship. A blessing is when God Almighty calls your name and you respond in faith and obedience just like Abraham did. And God makes something powerful of your future. That's blessing. Wow, God, you want to take my life and you want to look at me in the midst of me living like a heathen and making poor choices and say, I have plans for you. I know what I want to do with you. I want to gather. If you will just call my name, I will hear your voice. I will gather you to myself and I will accomplish great and mighty things through you if you will turn to me. That is blessing. That is the greatest blessing that we could have. But guess what? A blessing is when he calls to us and he makes something of us. He reproduces something that he has placed in you. You see, you think about this. If I get up and I preach, go invite someone to church. Go be the light of the world. What typically happens, not just here, I'm talking about in churches in America. What typically happens, usually, by the majority, is... Nothing. It's nothing. Nothing typically transpires. Because somebody's asking me to do something that I'm not holding incredibly passionate, near and dear to my heart. I'm not 
you're just, okay, the, the majority of people don't do anything. Why? Because I won't go too deep into this. People just get uncomfortable, but there's a principle here. Because reproduction only comes from intimacy. And when any church is losing intimacy with God, you know what else coincides with that? Is new birth stops occurring. So when we don't see new people or new birth or new growth, then pastors will say, we got to reach the world. We got to reach the lost. We got to do this. And we're like, yes, we do. And then people, we feel bad. I got to do a better job. But we, we meaning just Christianity, not just us. We don't necessarily do something about it necessarily right off the bat because that only takes place. New birth is a result of intimacy. And when I have an intimate relationship with my creator, my Lord of Lords, after all, what is the church known as? The bride of Christ. And when the bride is intimate with the Savior, we know that, oh God, I want to reach people. I want to see spiritual reproduction. I want to see new life born. I want to see new babies in your kingdom. And God's calling on his church in these last days. He desires to be closer to us more intimate than ever before. He said in the last days, perilous times will come. Perilous is, is dangerous. Dangerous times will come. Let me ask you this. If you're a husband or a, a, a mother, you're a father or a mother, what do you do when you sense danger surrounding your family? I mean, if I'm sitting there in my house and, and all of a sudden they say, you know, that, 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 down on 291 and 152 and I live over in that direction I do not say hey kids just keep throwing the football but if you see a funnel cloud touch the touch the if a funnel cloud touches the front yard just come on in okay guys no 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 we're looking around going where is the safest place in our house now granted we hear those a lot and so especially in the spring we kind of sometimes don't pay attention to the alarm, but that's a totally different message. <laughs> I want to pay attention to the signs and the alarms. And so, I don't say if you see a funnel cloud on the front yard, come on in, guys. If I see the signs, that's a whole other message for another week. But if I see the signs in the sky, and I see the clouds starting to twirl just a bit. I'll just have you know, I want you to know something. In undergrad at University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, I took principles for forecasting the weather. <laughs> I got to do a weather report pointing to a, a green screen and trying to look. If you don't know how that works, it's one of the most difficult things. You think those weather people just get up there and they just talk? They actually are looking at a blank screen. There's nothing there. And when they go like this, they have their clicker and they, and they go like that. And you'll see their eye look down because there's two screens right here where they actually see the monochromic whatever image that, that you're going like this and they line their ups. Because if you don't pay attention, you're going to be going in here in Missouri and you might be pointing to Hawaii. 
And so, like, you have to kind of know what you're pointing at as you're looking at your audience, as you're looking at your screen, and then act like you're looking at the blank wall, too. It actually takes more skill than you realize. That was all free. You learned something. At least, at least if you leave today, you say, I didn't get anything out of his message, but I learned something about being a weather person. <laughs> and so... And, and, and so that if, you, if I see these signs and the twirling clouds and, and things like that, I'm going to say, guys, get downstairs. We got to go to a place of safety. You see, I gathered the family close together in fear and danger. And what do I say when something's wrong, when, when, when my kids end up at the hospital or the doctor? And I, I'm just grabbing them going, hey, guys, it's going to be okay. You're fine. You're going to be okay. You're okay. You're going to be fine. Everything's going to be all right. Dad's here. God's similar. In perilous times, God wants his family, the bride and the family, to provide. He wants to provide comfort and protection. He even said so in the Bible. Luke 13, 34. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. If I was, if, again, if we're God, you guys are killing prophets and stoning God's messengers, you deserve what you're going to get. In the middle of exile, in Jeremiah, he says, leave this up. He says, I want to gather you. I know the plans I have for you. Here, they're killing God's prophets and messengers. What does God say? Jesus literally says, how often I've wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. God looks at us in the middle of perilous times, and he says, don't play in the yard when there's a funnel cloud. Come to me. I want to I just protect you. You imagine a hen with the chicks just like going like this, just bringing us in going, I got gotcha. you. I want to protect you. You see, the key there is Jerusalem is that, is, is that God was still allowing his family, his bloodline, to make their own choices. That's difficult sometimes as a parent, isn't it? Many of you have older children. You know that much more than I do. You see them make choices and you go, Whoa. I'm sure my mom saw me make one or two that made her just a little nervous. Especially, she might have questioned me coming here when I took her only, only grandbaby out of Wisconsin, moved away. To make their own choice and let them, would they let him provide them safety and comfort? Would they instead reject him and face the future on their own? That's exactly what they did. They rejected the comfort from the Savior. Jesus was calling and he was reaching to Jerusalem, but they rejected him. And today, Jesus is calling and reaching to you. He's calling and reaching to you. And he's Saying some of these same things that he said to Abraham. Hey, I have a plan for you. He's saying what he said to Dave. He's saying what he said in Jeremiah. I got a plan for you. I have plans. You might not be completely aligned with my plan for your life. But that doesn't mean my plan's out the window. I still have plans for you. There's still things I want to do. And you're living in perilous times, uncertain times, dangerous times. He says, but, but if you will come to me, I will, I will protect you like a hen does her chicks. And I'll gather you in. Why? Because it doesn't matter. Before this moment, I want to make something of your future. And if you will seek me wholeheartedly, I have great plans for your life. 
God doesn't always leave us in the dark what his plan is. You know, sometimes we're like, well, we just got to walk in faith. We just never know what tomorrow holds. Sometimes that right, that's right. But other times God says, I'm going to build a head. No one, I'm going to destroy the earth with a flood. You're going to build a boat. Here's how I want you to build it. It's just a matter of, are you going to do it? I told Abraham about a promised land. You're going to have a promised land. There's going to be a, a descendants, and I'm going to take you into this land of promise. He anointed David to be king. He says, you're going to be the king of Israel. He didn't leave him in the dark. David knew he was going to be the king for several years before he became the king. He told Israel they would once again be a nation, even though they faced exile. He told the disciples, oh, man, do you not know that when you read the the Gospels, he literally said many times, he said, I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be crucified. He told them. But when he told them, do you know what the next verse says? They started arguing about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom. I just wonder if you are like, guys, pay attention. I just told you that I'm going to die. I'm going to be betrayed. And y'all are just arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And like humanity, how many times is God trying to speak to us and we're so consumed with other things? I just wish God would show me. Is he trying to show you? I just wish God would tell me what he wants me to do. Is he trying to tell you what he wants you to do? God's speaking things if we will listen, but the things he wants us to do and he wants us to go through, they're often miracles. Abraham and Sarah, hey, you're going to have babies. Well, guess what? She was beyond the age of having babies. David, you teenage boy, you're going to be the king. Uh, Noah, I'm going to build an ark. Here's the plan. It's never even rained before. (laughs) What? Disciples, yeah, you ignorant and unlearned men that are just fishermen. and You're not highly educated, trained by the rabbis. You're going to change the world. The plan was there. But it was going to require a miracle. Is the plan there for the entire community of the city of Liberty and the surrounding areas? Is it God's plan for people's lives to be touched and miracles, signs, wonders? For people to be healed and delivered, set free from addictions, filled with His Spirit, baptized in His name? Well, guess what? In order for that to happen, one person is going to have to say, I know I'm only one now, but give me some time. With God, I will be many. Oh, man, it's going to take a miracle to happen. Yep. Yep. Why? Because otherwise we might get the credit. <laughs> so things, will, things that you will never, ever see come to fruition. God wants to do things in your life that you will never, ever see come to fruition unless he steps in. And most people, they can't escape the pull of logic and common sense. I struggle in this area at times. We cannot step into the unknown because why? We're logical. We're structured. We like things planned out. But every once in a while, you're in a boat and there's a storm and you're just like, I got I to get in the storm to where Jesus is. Sometimes you just pick up five smooth stones and you're like, yeah, I've never been trained in war. Guys... Four times my size. I think I can take him. 
At some point, you just do things for God that every other person, including your own people, including your own church, looks at you once in a while and says, you just need to tone it down a little bit. I love your faith, but let me talk to you about logic. You expect that from the world. You don't expect it from the people that sit on the pews next to you. But every once in a while, when they try to talk logic to you, you say, I respect your opinion. Thank you for sharing it. But if I have to choose today between faith and logic, I'm going to go with faith today. I mean, walk into the temple, silver and gold, have I none? Such as I have, I give unto thee, rise up and walk. <laughs> hey, bro, he just needs, they just killed Jesus. We're just getting into this. Man, we probably just don't want to do that yet. No, 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 no. Jesus did it. He said, greater things than these will you do. I'm going to give it a shot. What's the worst that's going to happen? He's going to keep laying there begging for alms. What's the best that's going to happen? He's coming to church with us. When's the last time we stepped out and we're like, Lord, I need you right now. Because if you don't step in, I'm going to fail. But I'm, I'm ready to even fail for you if that's what you require, if that's what it's calling for this time, we got to get to the place where we trust our calling. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Yeah, the family of God goes through loss, scary times, tornado warnings and storms. But God desires to pull us in tight, to reassure us, I'm, I gotcha, I'll take care of you if we will let him. Notice, though, who it works out for. Everybody says, we're the called, we're called. If you just, if you're called, God's going to work it out. And that's true. But I noticed something else. The good of those who who love God. God does great things in the lives of people that aren't always just the most talented. It's the people who love him. And when we love him, our actions reflect that. It, it shows God desires that intimacy because birth occurs from intimacy. And so when we are in a close place with Jesus and we're walking with him and we're hearing his voice and we're drawing near to him and his presence and we're speaking to him and sharing a heart and hearing what his heart is because he will, he, will, he will respond. He might not go, and now I said, like, but he's going to impress things on your heart. You're going to see things in the word. And there's communication that takes place. It starts by loving God. Intimacy is more special with love and commitment. You don't stretch yourself in a stewardship campaign and give what could have been used for a car or for a house. You don't teach home Bible studies and go out in the middle of the week when you're already tired and haven't worked early the next morning. You don't prepare Sunday school classes and cut up little pieces of paper and pin stuff all over your walls and do that. You don't, you don't plant a church like Sister Bowen's. You don't, you don't dream about a mission field and, and go to another country. Maybe you've never even been there, but God starts to lay something on your heart about taking a gospel message to another country. You don't do those things unless you are called. 
And sometimes you go through things that make you question your calling. And you go, oh, God, I thought I was called. I feel like I'm called. And then life happens and you get frustrated and you get confused about things. But there's times where you wake up and the one thing you're clinging to is your call. How many times was David running from cave to cave, getting javelins chucked at his head? And he was like, ah, oh, sometimes I wonder if he just was like, I got to give up. Read Psalms. You'll, reel about, you'll read about times when he wanted to give up. But he knew, no, 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 no. At the end of the day, I'm called. And I would argue that unless you truly love God and you're close enough to hear his voice, all those things I talked about, you're probably not doing those anyway. Because that is something that is a result of someone who is called and who loves God, who is intimate with God, because I, you don't have to say, well, you should teach the Bible, so you should share your faith, you should invite somebody to church, because when I'm in an intimate place with God, that is a natural, a natural occurrence. Because the calling from God is birthed. Yeah, but what about calling? Calling from God is birthed out of love and intimacy with him. Sometimes things get frustrating and scary and confusing. You say, I just got to cling to my call. I just got to cling to my call. And in the spiritual realm, the only way one becomes many is when one person goes deeper in their love for God. Is when one person says, you know, I've been living this way a while. Maybe some of you, you just stepped in this church a few weeks ago. Some of you, you said, man, I remember when we built this church. I was here since the beginning. It doesn't matter. It's all in between. But it's where one person says, so I've been living this way. It's been working for me. Maybe life's not even terrible. You're like, I, that, that's the most dangerous place sometimes. Because when a tragedy happens, we drop to our knees and we call on God. But sometimes when everything is good in the checkbook, I'm paying the bills. We have money in the bank. I have a nice house, a nice car, good health. I've been, it's working. What I'm doing is working. But God says, yeah, but not quite walking in your calling. And the only way that that happens is not an incredible message that's preached. It's not an awesome song that's sung. It's when one person, because no one, the, the church never is going to get to the place where we just all of a sudden elevate all together or struggle all together. It's when one person says, this has been working. But I personally want more. I want more. I've been living this way for so long. And, and yeah, I pray. Oh, I read the word. Yeah, I fast. I do these things. But I, oh, no, you don't need to worry. I mean, you're, you're a good Christian. You got people that tell you what you're doing is fine. But there's something in your heart that says, I more. And if you're waiting for the whole church to get on board with you, it's not going to happen. There has to be one, two, three, four, five, six, just people that say, I, I want more. I want more intimacy with my creator. Right now we have a relationship, but I want to get to the place where I just speak and he listens and I feel him speak in return. 
I feel like I can go to places and he impresses things on my heart. And when I follow and step out, he's there. And I see his hand in things and miracles start to happen. When do miracles happen? If I said, guys, let's all go to lunch today and try and do a miracle. Okay. Kids are going to be going home, filling their bath water, going... No, 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 no. I'm not going to say that. Miracles are birthed out of intimacy where all of a sudden you say, I've been reading the book of Acts and I've been praying and I feel like God is just preparing me for something. And, I, and you try to talk to someone and that person might go, cool, how that? Because they're not experiencing the same level of intimacy that you are. Do not let that stop you. There has to be something where you say, I've been spending time with Jesus and I just feel like he's stirring my spirit. Something's going to happen. And all of a sudden you walk out and someone's sick and you say, I know this sounds crazy. Would you be all right if I just said a prayer? All of a sudden, you go into some place and you say, hey, you know what? I'm going to my church to pray right now. Or I, you know what? Tonight, before I go to bed, I'm going to be praying. And I'm just wondering, I really appreciate all of the service you do or, or what you do in, at the doctor's office or in physical therapy or at the grocery store. And I just wonder, what's your name? Is there anything? Because I'm, I'm getting ready to go before the King of Kings, and I just have so much faith today. Is there something I could write on my piece of paper here and in my phone that I can take before the Lord and pray with you about? Is there anything at all in your life? Nothing. Okay, great. Well, if there is, I'll see you again sometime. But you just might be shocked. Somebody looks at you and tears up, wells up with tears in their eyes and says, I, 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 yeah, my, my son's really sick right now. And I'm, I'm just wondering, what's your son's name? Okay, I'm going to pray. I'll see you next week. I'm going to stop in and see you again at McDonald's or wherever you get your coffee, Starbucks or, or whatever. I'm going to stop in. I'm going to see you again. And I'm looking forward to hearing a report about your son. And all of a sudden, watch what God starts to do as you go to a deeper level of intimacy. It's like having a child I could say guys don't forget to put your take your shoes up from the stairs and put them up in your room well guess what half the time the shoes are there but all of a sudden the shoes start to disappear I go my child now has it so now I can trust them just a little bit more because they've taken what I've given them and they've done something with it and so God to whom much is given much is required there there is something he's put in you and he's seeing, hey, I've given you a level of talent, and I want to see what you're going to do with that talent. And as you begin to step out and do these things, God's going to say, all right, now you did that. Watch the next miracle. And all of a sudden, one person starts to make many disciples just because it was birthed out of a level of intimacy with the Creator. Many only happens because one responds. Many only happens because one responds. So if you look around and you say, yeah, you got some youth here today. You're waiting for one of these adults. I mean, I want to see one of these adults do it. They're going to set the climate of the church. And you guys just want to be a part of that. No, 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 no. You might be the one. You might be the one that changes the climate of the church. You might be the one that starts reaching out to people you go to school with and you work with and starts bringing them in. And miracles start happening through you guys. You might be the one watching online that you're saying, oh, yeah, I haven't been really even at church in a little while. You might be the one. You just got to look around and say, why are we always saying it might as well? Like Brother Stone King always says, if it might as well be him, it might as well be me. You might be the one. Say that. Say, I might be the one. Say, God might want to do a miracle through me. And let me say, I got to bring this to you. If you're married... I just feel to say this. If you're married, hear me when I say, you will never obtain the promise of ministry and calling 
if you're just outrunning your spouse. You and your, your spouse both have to understand your calling. Without Sarah, there's not a great nation. In that culture, Abraham, Abraham gave birth to many, many, many people. You're like, that would never fly in the 21st century. Uh, excuse me, who's the one that was pushing that baby out? Who's the one that had that labor pains and morning sickness and had their stomach cut open? Come on. Abraham, please. Without Sarah, there is not a great nation. There is not the nation of Israel without Sarah. They both needed to step into their calling. So if you're married, don't move faster than your spouse is ready for. Be patient. Live a godly, consistent life in front of your spouse, him or her, and they will see this is a person that I want to team up with and do ministry with. And some of you who just don't feel like you're called, you can never see yourself doing a specific ministry. Maybe your spouse talks to you about it and you're just like, yeah, whatever, never going to happen. I really, this is weird. I wanted to cut this. I reviewed my message last night. I wanted to cut this part, and God said, there are people in your church, you've got to keep this here. There are, there are marriages right now where one spouse is feeling a different call than another spouse, and you guys are just waiting for the other person to change. Don't do that. Begin to pray and seek God and say, Lord, what is it that you are calling me and my wife or me and my husband to do? God, I got, I got to align with your will because some of you are laughing when your spouse talks to you about things. And you say, yeah, that ain't never going to happen. And you're acting like Sarah. And Sarah is laughing. She was laughing when she heard in the other room, she said, <laughs> And the angel said, did you just laugh? Uh, no. Look at Genesis 18. One of them said, I'll return to you this time next year. Your wife, Sarah, is going to have a son. Sarah was listening to the conversation. Abraham and Sarah were both very old. It's impossible. You, you, there's just certain things you're never going to be a part of. There's certain things you're too old, too young, wrong gender, wrong age, wrong socioeconomic background, wrong experience, not enough education. And people want to tell you all this stuff, including sometimes the people in your own church. But when you have faith, when you have faith, and when you love God, and when God calls you, there are things that God is going to begin to reach to you about. And they're in the other room and says, we're old, we can't. Sarah's past the age. She's past the point of what God can use. And so she laughed silently to her herself. How could a worn out woman like me have such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is also so old? Then God says to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? What did she say? Can an old woman like me have a baby? And he asked this question that I want to ask to you this morning, watching online and here in person. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? He says, I will return at this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Why? Because you guys have been walking with me. You've been intimate with me. And guess what? I'm looking at you, and you are called. When it does 
doesn't make sense, you are called. When it seems like you need a miracle, you are called. I'm telling you, I want to make many people out of one union, one nation, one person. And so I ask you, those of you who laugh when you hear about teaching a Bible study, teaching Sunday school, being a missionary, being an evangelist, planting a church, doing the things that God wants you to do. When I tell you that and you chuckle in yourself, nobody's laughing out loud. Notice it said Sarah laughed silently. Nobody here has enough disrespect and, or, or, or you're, you're not going to sit here today in a church service and go, ah, ah, that's hilarious. But right now there's some of you watching online or here today that are kind of chuckling in your spirit going, yeah, right, ain't going to be me. Hey, you're all right. You ain't never going to get me in that pulpit. I ain't never going to sing. No, I'm not no worship leader. You ain't going to get me up there. I'm never going to teach kids. I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be in charge of celebrate recovery or help James Chester out. I'm not going to do any of these things. I, who am I to make a disciple? I, I, I struggle myself. And you're chuckling to yourself. I'll never be a missionary. Ain't no way God's going to get me over in another country. Listen, God looks at an old worn out woman, supposedly according to scripture. And he says, "You just if you will just believe, watch what I'm going to do. Even though she was laughing to herself, he says, I got a plan. And you loved me for a long time. And I'm calling you now. There are some of you that God's, he, you've loved God for a while. But it has not gone to the next level in that level of intimacy and faith. God wants to start to bring new birth out of you and his union. He wants to see new babies born of the water and born of the spirit. But for some of us, we've got to stop laughing. We've got to stop laughing. Oh, hey, it ain't gonna be me. Yes, it is gonna be you. God's calling some of you to do these things. Plant a church, make a disciple, facilitate a small group, join the praise team, start a P7 club at your school. And you might be laughing now, but be careful. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Stepping into your calling will always take faith. Abraham and Sarah wanted to speed up the process, though. And so I'll tell you this. When impatience becomes the common denominator, compromise is inevitable. Sarah comes up with an idea. I'm old. We ain't going to have kids. You should just sleep with Hagar. She's our bond servant. Just sleep with her. Have a baby there. Oh, sounds like a good idea. They have Ishmael. And to this day, there are issues in Israel because of that decision. Oh, but look at Egypt. They have many. They have many problems start when the children of God start looking to the world for examples. But they have many. Our church doesn't have that many people. If we would just loosen up our standards a little bit on externals and, and oneness and, and on, on water baptism and spirit infilling, we probably could grow a lot more. Look at Egypt. They got a lot more than we got. If we just take a couple of shortcuts, we can reflect the numbers that they reflect. And I've seen churches do it. And I've seen relationships do it. Oh, I've been looking for the man or the woman that's going to serve God. They're not around. So I start looking at Egypt because I have a lot more options in Egypt. Impatience causes compromise, and compromise causes death. I see it happen so frequently. Impatience causes compromise. Don't just trust God's call. Trust his timing. Because if it, Abraham got the promise at 75, baby should have been born right there in their minds. Why are you going to wait another 25 years? 
Because sometimes God calls you, David, but he wants to take you through the wilderness to prepare you. Sometimes God calls you, Abraham and Sarah, but he says, you know what? You're not ready to give birth to the things that I, I got to take you through some things first to prepare you for that. Don't just trust his call, trust his timing. When Abraham hooked up with Egypt, he got immediate results. But immediate results will make you give birth to things that will mess you up. You're not just looking for immediate results. And I close. God has called you, but so has the world. Israel, there's promises in Israel but there's also promises in Egypt. God will bring you results, but the world will bring you results even faster. To the single person that says, oh, I just want to be married. Just seems like there's more choices out there. Egypt. And Egypt's got the good-looking guys. Egypt's got the good-looking girls. And you can find faster results. Just remember, Egypt's calling, and so is Israel. Which call will you respond to? Who do you really trust? Both Ishmael and Isaac were born of Abraham. Both were circumcised. In the New Testament, that's baptism. Both went to the same church and prayed at the same altars. But later we see Ishmael mock Isaac. Why? Because the world will often mock the promise you've been given. And when there are spiritual things and worldly things coming from inside of you, both coming from inside of you, you're going to have terrible heartache. Because you can't fit in in two places. Abraham, God himself, his family, and really the nation of Israel messed up because he thought he could get intimate with both. Hagar and Sarah, that maybe if I had children of both of them, it'll still work out, and it doesn't. And eventually, Abraham makes Ishmael and Hagar leave his house. And when you read the story, God had a promise in all these things. But the promise did not come to fruition until Abraham made Hagar and Ishmael leave his house. It's like the promise was on hold. One did not become many. We did not see God's plan for Abraham's future come to fruition until Abraham got the world out of his home. So folks, you will embrace something. And remember this, what you embrace, what you embrace will be the direct result of what you reproduce. What you embrace is going to be the direct result of what you reproduce. God made us to long for intimacy. And I'm not just talking about the physical part of that. And so we all will find something to become close to or intimate with that we will embrace. And that will have the direct result of what you reproduce.
God is calling his church to go from one to many. But the only way that happens is when one stops laughing, finds an altar, and says, today is a new day. God, you have spoken to me and you have plans for me. And I want to embrace those plans. I want to go beyond where I am right now. And I want to go deeper in you than I have ever been before. If no one else goes with me, that's fine. But Lord, I know that you can make many out of my commitment. And he wants to start to see spiritual reproduction. But that only comes from an intimacy that he can have with his bride. And I pray today that we have at least one today that will respond to this. I know, I know already it's not going to be the whole church. It's not going to be the whole group gathering on live stream. But if I can just see one, just one person, many will come out of one commitment. And so right now I just invite you to find a place at the altar, in your pew, wherever you feel comfortable. And just begin to take this to the Lord. Begin to take it to Him and, and say, God, help me to stop laughing. Lord, help me to see the promise. Lord, help me, Jesus. Help me to move beyond where I am right now. Help me to go to a new level of depth and intimacy with you. I want to hear your voice, God. I want to see your face. I want to feel your touch, Jesus. God, it doesn't matter who else is doing what else. I want to join with my spouse. I want to join with my spouse and unite. I want to know that we're on the same page. And if I need to slow down, I'm going to slow down. If she needs to speed up or he needs to speed up, then so be it. But we're going to be one flesh, one team. And God's going to use us to do great and miraculous and mighty things. Oh, thank you, Lord. Speak to the church today. Let us hear you. Let us draw near to you, Jesus. Let us go to new depths in you, oh God. To the place where you are.